Starting Cast, a podcast about making a podcast. Hello strangers and welcome to Starting Cast. I am Ogie O'Reilly. This show is for anyone wanting to understand what goes into a podcast in a slow, monotonous fashion. This show is where I watch lessons on how to make a podcast and then talk about what I've done to help my own podcast at the second half. In this episode, I will be watching lessons on sponsorships and interviews. Let's get on with the podcast. So when it comes to advertisers, try to start off, I think he means build an audience first. Don't start off with ads, ads, ads. That makes sense for me because no one's listening. So thus, you can't make much money from no one listening when it comes to advertising. Basically, advertising, sponsorships, advertising, sponsorships, and partners are what pays for podcasts, is what pays for podcasts. So don't start off ads, ads, ads. Build an audience, and he says, build value for your audience. He has kind of a very intense look. You should see what he's like. The other guy's a bit more fun, a bit more jovial. He's all about the Bitcoin. So you may already know where the most common places to put ads are, which is the start, the middle, and the end. The industry terminology for this is pre-roll, mid-roll, and I'm going to guess post-roll, but post-roll sounds like sausage rolls in the post. You can start off saying what you want, some start with an ad, which, I don't know, you just skip it, let's be honest. I still think the ad blast is where to go. So you don't necessarily have to have just one mid-roll. Essentially, they're just the ads in the podcast, not at the beginning or the end. But usually in the middle of a podcast is where you'll get an ad for Squarespace, Harry's, Casper. Hmm, what other ones? And then just ones for other podcasts and BBC radio stuff. He's saying pre-rolls are normally 15 seconds, while mid-rolls tend to be 30 seconds. But one would assume the longer they add, the more money. He uses the term native ads, which I don't get. I can understand he's saying don't have too many ads, don't make them too long, because you'll just get annoyed and skip them. But I don't know what he means by native. He's saying you've got to make it a natural transition. So that's where the term is. You've got to take them on a journey. I just find nowhere does it well. They start talking about, what's the, oh, that's the one. This, they post food out to you and it's all the ingredients you need. It was Blue Apron and there's a UK equivalent. It just feels forced. Oh, I have exactly the ingredients. I think the best podcast I find is No Such Thing As A Fish. It's somewhat believable. But when you listen to enough podcasts, they all get similar scripts. Maybe not script. Well, some are just scripts. They will have similar directions. So you'll once you listen to enough, you get to hear them. I think probably the best for ads, which is a YouTube channel, Internet Etiquette. 
he basically makes little sketches out of them and manages to make them enjoyable like i don't think i've ever sat through ads really in that context you just keep the, 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 oh it's a thing for great courses plus skip 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 okay they stopped talking about it so i think that's the best way where he sort of tangled it and made it part of the show here's another wee joke but i'm getting paid for it also he hasn't used the term on brand but similar don't have ads for crazy things that aren't relevant to your course or not your course your uh, have ads that are relevant to your podcast so if it's a a gaming podcast something about games would make sense while different ways of different types of fertilizer for crops would seem out of place so maybe just don't take every don't take every ad that comes your way be a little more selective and keep it on on brand on theme on course with everything else i did think he was going to be more business focused but he a very um, uncomfortable and embarrassing moment just happened. As I record these in my car, somebody came to buy geese and they just came really close to the car and I was like, are they going to see me in my own car at the house with a microphone? But they didn't see me and it's all been sorted. Dad's come out and is about to sell the geese to them. So such as the joys of recording in your car but they didn't see me so i think my initial i have this foam thing in between the two seats so it stops the main visual points of where you'd see somebody in a car but maybe they just try to ignore me and be polite so a little fun update about recording in a car i think it's um reg he um the englishman I thought this would be very, because it's for corporations, like, you know, you've got to work hard, get your get your ads in, get as many as you can. But he's basically saying, don't be a slave to ads, which is surprising. You know, don't have too many, don't go overboard, because you'll put people off, essentially. One that springs to mind is... I don't know whether I should say their names or just say, like, what they're in. There's a... A mobile phone game that just plagues people. I watch a man two clicks Philip. Well, he goes under. There's clicks Philip, two clicks Philip, and three clicks Philip, and he quite often talks about the business side of his job. Like he talked about what business emails he had. He's a YouTuber. He mostly does computer game stuff, specialising in Counter Strike on two clicks Philip, and he said that one mobile phone games company in particular just hound people but also the money they were offering was pretty rubbish uh, 700 for three months work which isn't a lot of money that was 700 us and those ads if you've ever seen them i don't want to adver advertise them even though i kind of have they're just so long and obnoxious there's ones for earphones you'll see a lot on youtube they're less intrusive so yeah basically just don't jam it full of as many ads as you can is the gist an interesting point is giving out coupons you'll quite you'll quite often see use code whatever starting if i had a thing that way you might be paid per referral so it doesn't completely swamp your ad i think 
you, you know, there might be more restrictions, but if you go for the coupon route, then it's quite clear to see how many actually took that coupon and translated it. The only problem is if you've reminded people of a product, they might not use your coupon. So you're missing out that way, but it is a way to accurately track how many people are listening and then wanted that product. So you might get paid more accordingly. Now on to the second lesson, which is how to find interviewees presented by the American Philip, I think his name is, or Phil, or Philomena. One of those names, that, that's what they call him. So how to get an interviewee? I don't know if I will because it's such a weird, rubbishy experiment of a podcast, but who knows, I'll see what happens. Why should you interview someone? Why interviewees are brilliant? Who should I interview? How to find someone to interview? And what to say in a pitch email? Are the bullet points of the second lesson. How to get done interviewee? Having an interview on a podcast keeps it interesting because you can have someone with new ideas added to a very stale, repetitive podcast. It's easy to come up with new ideas because new people have new ideas. And it's a nice, not gimmick, but new person. It's nice to know what your remit of the podcast is. Oh, I interview people that are into ice hockey. Find someone about ice hockey, research them, look up some questions, interview them. There's a nice progression. Just get more people to talk about ice hockey or anything. Opens it up to a larger audience, which is always a good idea. Because someone else, people who are aware of that other person on your podcast will listen to that podcast because they want to hear that person they really like. Let's say Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's on your podcast. All his fans will come to yours. And even if 1% like your podcast and listen to it, it would be good. So cross-pollination. Equally, they might come on your podcast for publicity. They have a new book. So people are wanting to be on podcasts. I think think tankers like to be on a podcast because that's sort of what their job is to get industry opinion into the um, ether, into the zeitgeist. And apparently it connects you with industry leaders. So you might find an agent that you get on with and they might basically just keep giving you people on their books. So that could be a lot of easy guests in a certain field. And also if you meet them, you might you need another one. You might also get yourself a agent a podcast specialist agency. So it's a good way of networking. So experts that in the field of your podcast. So maybe I'll find a podcast expert and get them on my podcast and they'll say, that's a horrible podcast. The other thing he's saying is try to time them with publicity. So if they have a new book or a new film coming out, they might be more willing to go on to a podcast or a small podcast like my own. Uh, another one, as well as established experts, up and coming, because then they're more likely to want to get publicity on a podcast like this. Obviously, he says, wait till you have a bit of an audience. I seem to have had some, I assume, just friends of mine listening, and it's dropped off. The last two episodes had <laughs> nobody listening to them. I'm Because I listen to them, but I don't, I don't want to mess up my own numbers, so I haven't listened 
I've listened to them, but not downloaded them. You know, it's like I, I've seen the film at the screening. I haven't bought it on DVD, if I'm in it, if you know what I mean. So no one's listened to the last two, so I don't think anyone, <laughs> nobody would come on for the publicity. So I will need to have some sort of audience so that you can basically say, 500 people listen to the podcast, they will hear. So up and coming experts, keep an eye out and see if they will do your podcast. The other thing with someone who's wanting to get big is it's possible that they do become massive. So if you had, let's use the Michael Jordan analogy, let's say before he got signed, you had an interview with him. I know he's super duper massive. Everyone will want to listen to an interview you have with him. You'll get a, a, a flow back. Um, I don't know what other way you'd call it. Uh, a delayed response. So if you interview enough people, enough rising stars, a one or two is bound to rise. And then you could get a bit of afterglow from that. So experts, up and coming, up and coming, come. Ex current experts and up and coming experts. Try to have new interviewees. He's saying, worry, you can get stuck in the same trap. Just some, I think that happens to is the uh, Bugle, which I've talked about. The difference is it's a news podcast, so he has some of the same comedians on. Because it's about the news, they're able just to make new jokes about what's coming up. And also Adam Buxton. Quite often he has Louis Theroux and Joe Cornish, which is his old um, running mate. Adam and Joe were a double act, I guess you would say. But I think generally there's enough for him. There's enough time has passed. New things have happened. So it is nice for them to catch up. But also they're just, there's incredible chemistry there. When they start talking, it's like quick fire. They're just instantly getting on. They're doing lots of wee jokes. And it's just always a, a joy to hear. But I can understand if it's seen as the big guest and you really just talk about the same things over and over again. I'm trying to think of anyone that has the same guest on again and it's negative where I'm like, oh, I have them on again. I, I, it's not really springing to mind. Can't think of anyone who has a regular guest where I just think, oh, we're, here we go again. So, Try to liven up your guests, unless you're um, Adam Buxton, where everyone always wants to hear Adam and Joe. He's saying to prevent having the same guest on, talking about the same things again and again. You can go for somebody with near your niche, but not right beside it. So let's say we'll use the ice hockey analogy. You've maybe run out of all the people in your local area that will talk about ice hockey. You can maybe then look for referees in other sports. So you could say, there might be a referee that does American football, let's say gridiron. They maybe love ice hockey. So you could get them on and they've also then got their wee referee mind. So they could talk about stuff like that. So always just think a wee, a wee bit, a wee bit further, but not, not a different continent, just a different country or maybe even county. That's one way to liven up. I don't know what way I should have if I ever have guests on here. I just seen Fiverr, so I was just gonna like pay money and say, do you wanna talk on the podcast and see how terrible it is? 
I'm a wee bit hesitant with Americans. There's a, I think things like stand-up comedy and podcasts are a way f- to get into acting. So I think a lot of American, I don't know, I just, there's a certain mindset and I just worry they won't get this podcast, which is, I don't know, a hobby cast. Be nice to, like, my ambitions are, <laughs> are very low. This isn't like, oh, a stepping stone and then I can be an actor. I can be on TV and then be on films, you know. I could just do this at a normal wage, I'd be very happy. But obviously it might be nice to hear a different, someone with a a different outlook on life, different part of the world and all. As I say, just I'm worried in case they're just... Also sometimes you ever hear, I don't know, like shock jocks. A bit like, you know, Bulldog from Frasier. That's sort of a... It's a type of radio I forget exists, and I just, I don't know, it just would be, I don't know, it might be an interesting clash. You forget that it exists, like those American preachers, they're like, what? You're worth 500 million? What? That doesn't sound very Christian. What about the, the you know, eye of the needle and all that carry on? But uh, I digress. I'm no apprehensive about getting guests on, purely, well, mostly because nobody's on here, and it's a strange experiment. Well, it's not an experiment, I'm not taking, I am not taking any notes. It is uh, a hobby that sadly is public. A publicly criticizable, critiquable hobby. (laughs) Philip here is saying a good point. You could ask and see what problems your audience are having. Well, let's say people are listening to this for podcasting, they may want to hear someone from a technical like an editor let's say i may be too focused on podcast presenters so getting someone that's just a straight up audio engineer might be very interesting when they're not maybe they've never done podcasts in their life but they're an audio engineer so they could listen to any podcast and say what's done right and what's done wrong wee tips and tricks on how to produce a podcast so that might be an issue people making podcasts or interested in podcasts would like to have so whatever the audience has having an issue with could be a very useful interviewee one way to find someone to be interviewed would be if you're listening to other podcasts the people that they've had on are much more are much more likely to be on your podcast because it's already in their mind they know what podcasting is they've done it before so you're just uh another gig to them which makes sense if you're someone that's never done a podcast maybe doesn't understand what a podcast is they're hesitant because you're you're almost trying to advertise and sell the concept of podcasting to them to begin with when if they've already done it it's there's nothing to sell obviously you have to sell then your own personal podcast but there's just a lot less barriers there to break down unsurprisingly authors are quite often wanting to be on podcasts a lot so if anyone i guess obviously look for someone around your same level if you're small look for maybe a small author but it is possible that the bigger authors will they might just have 10 minutes or five minutes and they could be banging out dozens of podcasts a day it might it's a bit like some days authors will just have to sign they might be signing thousands of books in total and then this day or this week the publisher just says to them we have it all organized you're going to be getting these podcasts i'll tell you what it's about and then you talk for 10 minutes on to the next so 
It's very possible that there might be some some authors, some people when they do publicity, they uh, do like a beast mode and maybe do could be a hundred or so in total just to get the word out there. So you might be lucky with the big names. They're just get it out as much as possible, but probably look for an author or maybe other medium that's in around your level and would be happy to go on your podcast. So they're saying look on Amazon for up and coming books that are going to be released soon and basically say, hey, do you want to be in my podcast? I think this is one of my biggest on a big list of blind sites. They're saying to read blogs and keep an eye of, I'm going to use the term zeitgeist, just what's happening and the feel in the air so you could find someone that would be that's a hot topic that might be wanting to do podcasts or happy to be on a podcast. All these things are a job within themselves, but that one I think would be my most difficult. I'm not a bloggy person. I listen to podcasts, but I don't know if I'm in like podcast news. Like, I don't know if that's even a thing. I'm sure it'd be part of broadcasting, which means I should listen to Ollie Mann's podcast about the media, but I haven't got around to it yet. Sorry, Ollie. He's saying when you've found someone you'd like on your show, on your podcast, it's best to email them instead of DM on Twitter, say. So try to avoid social media if you can, according to Phil. Which makes sense. Email is much more professional. So it's a bit more prim and proper than a DM on on Tumblr saying, Can you be on my podcast, please? No one listens to it, but please... You know, you don't want to be doing that while an email is, it's a bit more businessy. You seem, oh, an email. Isn't that nice? Obviously, this must, I think this was a, a dot com bubble thing that got lodged in my head. There was a site called another.com and they let you have in the dot com bubble, there was just a lot of very uh, business ideas that didn't make much money. And I think another.com was one of them. So the email is, an email address is made up of two parts. You'll have the front bit, which will be your, the sort of username part, Ogie O'Reilly. And then you have at usually gmail.com, but whatever company, that's what's called the domain name. But this company just let you have whatever domain name you wanted. So I could have had Ogie at O'Reilly.com or .com or Ogie O'Reilly at podcast.com or pretty much anything you wanted but I get the feeling that was quite expensive and the business fell away so I always have this lodge in my head that oh I could just get whatever email address I want when you can't just that would make it look very professional you know it's not just at gmail.com or heavens forbid at hotmail.com even though I think it's, it's probably now retro it's come back into fashion but you know what I mean if you had yeah if I had ogie at startingcast.com if you didn't know what the company was immediately you think oh they're big enough to have a, a domain name in their email address so they're at least something can seem a lot more professional obviously better than a, a, a gmail but if you just had sillybilly72 on tumblr messaging you saying then you be on my podcast. <laughs> I record it in my car. You know, it looks better than that. How should you structure your email? Phil says, be genuine. Seems fair enough. Compliment them. I think that also means you've sort of done your homework. Imagine if you 
if you get an email and you go, this has said nothing personal about me, they could have just copy and pasted it to a thousand people because it's generic. So if they're being, I know here, uh, complimentary, you're going into what they do and referencing things. You're basically saying, I've spent time on this. Even if you have a copy and paste template, you've then had to go, who runs their show? What ways do they do it? You've had a, you've thought about it on something that means a lot to you because if you're not putting time into emails, it would suggest you're maybe not putting time and effort into the podcast. So why should they bother? Also, how do they benefit? The book analogy makes a lot of sense because they have a book to flog and you have a platform where people might hear about a book that they might want to buy. Obviously, it will get fine-tuned. Hey, you're a nobody and I have a platform. Be on it. I'm sure there's nicer ways to be on a podcast. It might be a way for you to network. People will hear about you. Or you just, you know, you just want to be on a podcast. Another good point is make it sound easy. Oh, I just talked to you on Skype for 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, don't make it out. Oh, well, first you have to log into this. And do you have a microphone? And are you going to be recording it at your end? And I would prefer if you um, edit it. Oh, you're using Audacity. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, don't, don't make it seem like a hassle. Phil here is saying that when he's done interviews, people sometimes send him questions and then want him to answer the questions before the podcast so the host knows how to react. Basically knows every variable that can happen. So it does sound like a lot of effort. It could be a couple of days work just for this one podcast. And Phil's got stuff to be doing. He was saying that they want to have a, a Skype conversation beforehand. They want to know all the answers to the questions and then probably reactions to reactions to reactions before they even do the interview so i could see that would put a lot of people off I'm trying to think obviously the lower down their rank you are the more time you have so you might put up with nonsense like that but if you're of anybody worth any if you're of any success you just you don't have time as simple as that even if you want to do stuff like this you just can't Look, I have half an hour, I'll squeeze you in, and what, what's done is done. So I can't understand this back and forth for a long time could be irritating. Another thing that makes sense is keep it short. Uh, CGP Grey, he was saying when he gets an email, he doesn't like a big, long sob story. He basically, tell me what you want, and I'll think about it. So I try to do the same. I try to just have what I want in the title, have as few pleasantries as possible because obviously you just throw down interview podcast the person doesn't have a lot to go on so it does make sense but keep it short because you're only emailing them for one reason it's you're not catching up on old times and businesses will only email you for one reason like an invoice there's not much fluff they're not thank you for buying here's what you bought now please buy again they don't give you a big long story and you don't really care since the last one I've mostly just been editing and trying to keep a nice flow it's quite easy to overwhelm yourself and just sort of be in a, a nightmare of podcasts so I'm going to try and go back to record one day and then edit the next is a nice flow sometimes if you do it too much it's like you kind of just want the recording out of the way you're like oh, I'll have to get to editing or oh, I'll get this research done then I can get to recording and then I can get to 
editing. Just quite often there's lots of little niggles. I think you find with any, any project, quite often it's like, oh, I want to get a photograph for this project. For some reason that can take you two hours and you're like, oh, I could have just ignored that and did the rest of the essay. Just trying to keep a nice flow, not overwhelm myself. If it became a job, it would make sense. I don't know whether to bother with sponsors yet or because it's it, it's silly at this point because I've literally no listeners. So I don't know, should I say wait till I get to 100 and then look about sponsors? I do feel icky about sponsors, even though I managed to sell out and not get any money, which I think is the, um, it's hard to do, but I managed it. I got, it sounds faster than it is, a bit of extra work, which essentially means I did Game of Thrones for a bit and a handful of other things. But they once, they send you messages saying, are you free to do this thing in two days, let's say. And you say yes, and you take a photograph of yourself. So they said there was one for an ad. This was an ad, basically, they just wanted ginger-haired people. It was some ginger beer, and it was two grand for, what, two days' work? Which is a lot of money when you're on the dole. So I went to it, I was like, I don't really want to do ads, but two grand is a lot of money. So I sold out, I did the interview, and they didn't want me. <laughs> I managed to sell out and not, and not get any money, which is quite a feat, but I managed it. So I'd love not to be able to do ads, but I get the feeling at this point I could fund myself if I got any sort of traction, you know, Patreon. But a lot of Patreons, you think they're getting a lot of money, but they're not. Because if you multiply it by 12, which is a year, I'll, let me see, what's the average? So according to the American census, the average wage in America is $31,000. So if you look at a lot of Patreons, they're not, you know, you'll see, let's say you see a thousand and you think, wow, making a thousand US dollars, aren't they on the gravy train? And then you go, oh, that's 12,000 a year. So according to this, that would have them per, that's a per wage, because 31,000 is average. And that's 2016 with a weekly wage of 800. So you'd need to be making nearly, yeah, 3,000 a month. Sometimes it can look big when it's not really. Obviously, the bigger you get, like if I had someone else on the podcast, am I giving them 50%? 50% of nothing is nothing. But you know what I mean? It's like every time you add someone, then that's oh, it's cut down even more. I just think Patreon can be tricky because a lot of people do Patreon and ads, but it would be lovely never to do an ad. But sadly, such ain't life, which is always good grammar. Another thing I'm wanting to do is cut the piece where I've been commenting on podcast cover art. So I'd like to make a YouTube video, but it's one of those things I thought, oh, I'll just stick up the images and then just have the audio running through, you know, each image as it comes up. So a big inspiration would be Internet Historian. So he doesn't show his own face, he quite often shows there's a famous man, there's a famous stock footage man that has a sort of unusual smile. He uses a stock image of Andiato or Hide the Pain Harold. So he just uses a lot of stock images and creates wee stories using that. It just seems like a lot of editing work. I like the idea of having them moving in some sense, but also maybe when I criticize, you know, maybe edit it slightly to show what I would prefer in the videos and just have a bit of something. Cause if it's just a static image, it's not going to do well on YouTube. So it'd be nice if it got some sort of traction on YouTube. 
So I've just been trying to make it less feel like work because, you know, if there's no money, don't break your back. Try and get that video some semblance sorted, so. Record one day, edit the next, and repeat. This episode was about advertisers and interviewees. We learned that you should look for relevant ads. Start, middle, and end is the traditional placements. Don't have irrelevant ads. Don't swamp it with too many ads. Try not to repeat guests. And you can go to the niche next door for guests. Try not to interview the same people over and over again because then you just have the same episode over and over again and maybe watch your audience like. You should email them, keep it short, and maybe you might get lucky with a rising star or somebody doing a bit of publicity. So that's what I took away from that lesson. But I still might, I'm tempted, I've seen something on Fiverr. So I like the idea of just being honest, saying, look, I'm going to say who you are and how much I paid and what do you think of the podcast and things like that, you know. Thank you for listening. You can contact me by leaving a comment on maybe where you downloaded it or at ogieoreilly at gmail.com. Ciao, ciao.